Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors, and welcome back to our special podcast series on the property investing journey from start to finish. Today, we're casting the spotlight on the importance of developing relationships with real estate agents. So we're talking to a buyer's agent guru from the Central Coast, Jessica Green, who I think is an expert at developing these relationships. I've seen her in action, ingratiating herself with real estate agents and really just advocating for her clients through those relationships. A lot of the work that she does is off market and a lot of the properties that she has access to, mere mortals who don't have that relationship with agents just can't access. So she's got some great tips on how property investors can develop a relationship with local agents to get access access to some of those deals. Here's Cheska. Francesca Green, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. That's a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Now, you're the first person that we actually uh, have on this new series where we're talking about the property investing journey from start to finish that we haven't done a deep dive on, um, but we're coming back to that. We're going to get to, to, to the marrow of Cheska Green and find out all about <laughs> you. Um, and I mentioned we're going to sort of dig into why you've got a, a – a, better accent than I do and all that sort of stuff. But today the focus is something that I've observed in in you as having a a really natural talent with and that's building relationships with agents and using that to your advantage. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of what you do and and how how that's important to your business? I think it's it's at the heart of it and, you know, as we touched upon earlier, um, I think one of the reasons it sort of naturally happened was that when myself and Matt Sharp, who I know you get on very well with as well, we were sort of the first um, two buyers agents, it's specifically in our little patch of the coast, or, or it certainly felt that way. And so to be honest, the, the sales agents were really our colleagues. They were the people who we were working with. You know, you were trying to to go for the same end. You were going to match make, you know, people and properties. And um, and you know, there's some, obviously there's some really great agents there as well. So it just became quite natural that we didn't get too much into the us and them mentality. You were kind of working as a team with them, um, particularly when you were doing sort of off market searches, you were, and you were sort of sharing the joy when you actually managed to find the right property for the right person. So, Mm. um, so yeah, it kind of got off on a, on a good, a good foot footing, if you know what I mean. Is that a little bit unusual? Because I, I hear certain agents and buyers agents kind of like it's almost like uh, a, a gazelle and a and a and a penguin meeting <laughs> in a lift. Sydney Lux listings yeah. and uh, Simon Simon Cohen taking <laughs> taking down the the sales agents. Yeah, I've seen one of those episodes, and I thought, ah, oh, this I'll probably let this one go through to the keeper. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll come back. I mean, we, we can all play up to the caricature for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we're, we are, I think, you know, we are, we are working for the same purpose, but we're working for different parties. And, but I don't think it really needs to be, you know, if you, if there's conflict and this sort of comes to one of the top tips we're going to be talking about, if there's conflict, then, you know, you need to be working with these people and you need to be, uh, you know, nothing I'm going to sort of say is, is rocket science, to be honest, essentially the skills you use to develop positive relationships with any human being are the same skills that will set you in good stead to, to have positive relationships with sales agents. And I suppose that's maybe the revelation is that they're human. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people, you know, have this kind of um, attitude where they feel that they're up against them. Mm. And actually 
that I feel that's quite unfair. I think that obviously in any line of work, you've got a few a few dodgy ones out there, but the sales agents get a really bad rap. And I think a lot of it has come about recently with buyer frustration. Mm-hmm. I think buyers are, are, you know, have had a really rough time of it. Um, they've had a lot of competition in the market. And, and I think they have therefore felt that they've been mistreated by the agents. They yeah. sometimes feel, and actually it's just the other buyers that have been their problem, not really the sales agents, mm. if you see what I mean. Yes. Yeah, it's a very, very competitive market out there. But uh, it's interesting you talk about it, it not being as adversarial as maybe people think it should be or think that it is because like I always sort of say that the the value of a, of a buyer's agent rather than say contacting a real estate agent saying I'm looking at X, Y, Z is that they're working they're working for their vendor, right? So it's actually kind yeah. of it's it's it, it it's very very much skewed against them. Um, you know, they're, they're favouring the vendor, right? Whereas a buyer's agent's got a different brief. Absolutely, and I think that you've hit the nail on the head. So so you've got buyer frustration, which is completely you know they're exhausted, bless them, a lot of them times by the by the time they phone up myself or Matt, you know they're they're absolutely they've been through the the ringer, and I think so. That's one one of the ways in which sometimes they get into that adversarial um, attitude towards sales agents, but it's also the misunderstanding because there haven't been a lot of buyers agents in Australia compared to sales agents. There's a misunderstanding about or historical misunderstanding about who's working for who. Mm. So let's imagine buyer, you know, pops into one of the sales agencies in Terrigal and says, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, you know, four bedroom home close to the beach with a pool. Um, And that agent then starts looking for properties for them. That sales agent does. I mean, this is what happened to me when I turned up. There were no buyer's agents in Terrigal when I was looking for myself. And so what happens is you you get the impression that that sales agent is then working for you because they're on the hunt for you. Um, And they are. They're trying to help. But you're their customer and not their client. And Mm. that is where, you know, if people really understood from the offset that once that house is found that you want to buy, they are then selling it to you on behalf of the vendor, then a lot of this frustration would never have come about. And I think just because there's been this inequality in numbers between sales agents and buyers agents, a lot of buyers have then had a real shock, you know, when suddenly the price has shifted up at the last minute Mm. or, you know, they've been told that, you know, there's solar and then there isn't or something like that. And, And a lot of the time it's, it's, you know, the sales agents, it's very difficult for them because they've got to work for the person who's paying them. That's what we all do. We work for the person who pays us. And, you know, it doesn't mean to say they don't treat their buyers with transparency and honesty and, and, you know, the way that fair trading would insist that they do, but they're not their client, they're their customer. Mm. And I think that's one of the other reasons why the sales agents sometimes really unfairly have been sort of just started to be sort of loathed in some cases when they hadn't, if people understood the relationship um, and the difference between buyers and sellers selling agents, then that wouldn't have happened. Now you said something uh, in the beginning that I thought was quite controversial, that sales agents are human. Um, (laughs) We'll, we'll we'll circle back on that. Um, but you know, human beings are are flawed by nature, and we we tend to avoid uh, hard things and go for the path of of least resistance. I, I think I've mentioned before about sales agents that there can be a disincentive to get that extra five percent 
from somebody because the da- the the sale might fall over, right? And the difference between getting an extra five percent in their pocket is is so minuscule. It makes me wonder: is there an advantage working with a buyer's agent? Because to a real estate agent, that's an easy transaction, right? Because they know that your yeah. buyers are yeah. qualified. They sort of know you and how you negotiate. Are, are buyers agents becoming best friends with agents? Yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent, that that's what I was going to say to you. So, so I think number one, you know, empathize with the pressures that the sales agents are under. And we can come back to that later on. But secondly, my top tip was, was be the path of least resistance, because, you know, especially in these sort of high pressure environments, the way that we are going to get the deals done for our clients, the buyers, is to make sure that we understand the best terms that we can offer. Um, You know, occasionally, you know, when there's a very small difference in price that can be found on the market um, or can be found by going to a group of other buyers, the the terms that we can offer um, can be invaluable. You know, if we can actually do a four-week settlement instead of a six-week settlement that is going to allow that vendor to then purchase a property that they've found, um, and they're like, that might be worth more than the 20, 30 grand extra they could get by going and getting a bit of competition going. So yeah. so understanding, and that's where the relationship comes in and the communication comes in, talking to the sales agents, understanding, empathizing that they're under a lot of pressure. Um, they've got a lot of buyers who potentially... Um, are going to also be interested in this property that they found that you want, understanding that their vendor, their expectations may be changing on an hourly basis. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, you know, they're selling us the property, but we need to sell them our buyers. We need to say, hey, this is why my buyer is going to be the best for your client and for you. And this is stuff that you can tell your vendor as to why we should be your buyer. Mm. And this is why it's going to work. So we're both selling something to each other. Yeah, that's really interesting because your average buyer isn't going to think about their offer like that. It's like, you know, we just offer 1.4 and you might be there offering, you know, 1.395, but you're saying, you know, what terms do they want? We can get this done quickly. We can have them in there um, with a rent back because they're an investor, you know, and then it's just you're you're out muscling that person that doesn't realise that that all happens behind the scenes, right? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the kind of constant communication comes in, you know, just, you know, daily. And if you can't manage daily sort of weekly phone calls with people, so understanding what they've got coming up, what properties they've got in, but understanding, you know, phoning them up and saying, how's your vendor feeling about this? How can we make this work? Getting, you know, putting the control um, back over to the sales agents as well. I find it really, really useful. And I hope they do too, for me to say, look, we want the house. Congratulations. Great news. We want the house what do you need from me? Mm. What what do you need me to do now to get this across the line? Like, and it doesn't mean that you're going to pay any figure. You've only got what your client is able to pay and willing to pay. Yep. But you basically want to say, we're here, we're committed to this purchase. This is one of the, you know, it's really difficult because, um, you know, and I, I'm 
I'm delighted that we can then turn sort of negative experiences into positive ones when people sign with us. But, you know, I speak to some lovely buyers who, you know, there's a few who say to me, oh, you know, most clients sign up with us because they want to find properties that aren't on the market, particularly when it's um, short, short supply, short stock. Um, but some of them are just exhausted and they've got buyer fatigue from working with sales agents. And I say to them, you know, look, what went wrong? You know, what, what's the problem? Why don't you want to work with these sales agents? And they tell me these stories and, and, you know, occasionally they have told me stories where I really do think, wow, that, that wasn't great. But for the most part, they tell me stories such as, oh, we were, we were looking at a property in North of Oka and we were told it was best and final offers by 5 p.m. And when we put in our offer, um, it basically wasn't quite enough. And we would have been willing to go high, but we didn't think they actually meant best and final. Right. We thought they'd give us another chance. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this is what, you know, if they then take another offer from you, how is that fair to the person yeah. who stretched themselves and went for it at 4.59 that day? Um, or people tell me things like, oh, you know, he said there was another buyer interested and we didn't really believe him. And But then it had sold the next day. And I'm like, well, there was another buyer interested. Yeah, evidently. But, you know, so, so, so a lot of the time um, the sales agents have actually, you know, their reputation has preceded them to the point that even when they're trying to be transparent and helpful, mm. they are then not believed. And then the fact it didn't work out for that buyer just doubly annoys them. So it becomes this kind of spiral of, um, you know, this descent into kind of, um, yeah, just, just loathing and that breakdown in communication. Well, I mean, you've, you've sort of um, brought us closer together because I would like to retract my statement about there being conjecture about whether they're human. Um, And those are examples (laughs) where they're trying to do the right thing. And it's just, you know, people just don't, trust them because of the legacy of maybe agents they've done with dealt with in the past i wanted to ask you about off markets because i was talking to someone in in uh, a buyer's agent in brisbane um maybe it was a year ago or something and the market was as hot as it is is now and i said like surely there's no off markets right because there's so much competition that you put something on the market and it's just going to go gangbusters but they said they they were doing uh, the vast majority of their acquisitions off market and and it it was quite yeah Yeah. and and I, i wanted to ask you if you had some stories about off-market transactions that that you put together that just the the average person couldn't do without access to a buyer's agent like yourself? Well, it's difficult because I I understand the logic and I've heard that other buyer's agents have said, oh, nothing, there's no off-market, you know, because there's such a benefit to going to market at the moment. Um, But it isn't actually necessarily true. Yes, a lot of people who in their own right have decided it's the right time for them to sell, um, will be encouraged to get their house zhuzhed and styled and get it online and get the competition. Mm -hmm. And I do understand that logic. However, the off markets normally stem, um, there's a two flow. So there's the way in which that we send out a summary or I take on a client who has um, a specific request for a type of property. And I know the agents who work that area best. So I speak to those agents and they have obviously a database of um, people they have, you know, great personal connections with and, or they've just done appraisals for in the last year who've been dipping their toe in the water about selling, but they've not been a hundred percent sure. 
they then contact those properties, the owners of those properties, and we essentially match make. So those properties were never necessarily going to come to market. That that owner had potentially thought about selling, but maybe mm, didn't really fancy the hassle of it, wasn't really sure. Plus with COVID, a lot of people who have not wanted 100 groups through their house every mm. week, a lot of people have wanted, um, you know, the the... Oh, you know, it's not felt particularly safe for many, 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 you know, families to have lots of groups through. So they've maybe said to an agent, look, you know, if we can get 1.75, but we don't really want to go to market, you know, we'll, we'll think about selling. And so we can match make. So sometimes it's, it's the agents and, you know, we can approach properties ourselves, but the agents contact properties that fit the criteria for our clients. And therefore, once they get, one of those owners to say, yep, we would consider selling. This is our price. They're not going to then take it to market. They've only door knocked that house or, you know, in COVID times, phoned them up for our client. So it would be a bit blimming rude if they then turned around and said, you know what, Cheska, <laughs> you know, number six, you know, Smithfield Avenue actually will sell. Yeah. You're right. Your buyer would love it. But now we're going to list it and get it <laughs> online. And I would be like, well, are you really? Okay. So that that wouldn't really work. The other way we get a lot of off markets is because people who are genuinely motivated to sell, and this is obviously where you tend to get the better prices, but they don't want to go to market because perhaps it's a divorce or a death or a serious illness, or there's just some sort of extra level of discretion preferred um or they've they've bought elsewhere you know everyone at the moment is being advised to buy before you sell um because it's so hard to find what you want and you're mm. not really going to have a you know struggle to sell in this market so what happens is somebody has found a property they are going to buy it. They desperately want to buy it, but they haven't sold theirs yet. There may not be the time to spend three weeks getting the deck painted to get it online, to do a four week auction campaign. They need to sell now. Yeah. So who do the agents phone? They phone the buyer's agents mm. and they phone the buyer's agents first that they've got the good relationships with. So they come to us and say, Jessica, Ella, you know, we've got, you know, so-and-so this street, this property, this is the price that they need do you have any buyers that would fit this? So it's a sort of two flow. Sometimes we go to the agent, sometimes they come to us, but this is how we sort of keep matchmaking properties, even in a hot market and don't always have to go to the properties that are online. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, I've tried to put a, a metaphor into each of these shows. The best I could come up with is being tight with an agent is walking past the red rope at a nightclub whilst the queue wonders, who is that? Um <laughs> And I think that's 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 a terrible. That's the best I could do. But uh, I think that sort of that really expresses the the point there. Um, just the access that you've got f with with these sorts of deals. But I'm wondering if you've got any advice for your average property investor who wants what you have, which is a, a tight connection, you know, born over many coffees and probably nights out with agents and deals done and hard battles. Like, is there a way to accelerate some sort of rapport with agents if you're, say, looking to purchase in a certain suburb? Um, absolutely. So I, th I think, you know, what it boils down to is that you, I think when you contact them, you've got to contact them regularly. You've got to be kind you've got to say that you understand that they are incredibly busy that they have hundreds of people to get back to every day you have to tell them everything that is positive about your situation that you're you know financially ready to go 
um, perhaps you might give them just so that they can empathize with you in return. Perhaps there's a scenario, perhaps there's a baby on the way. You know, you've got a reason you need to buy quickly and explain to them that you're going to be realistic. You're, you know, if there's an off-market property, you're not expecting it to be dressed to sell. Be flexible with your settlement date if you possibly can. I know that kind of isn't always easy, but if you can, just basically be that path of least resistance and then follow up with them, not to the point of harassment, but just make sure it's regular. But I think unless you have a lot of time on your hands, and obviously I'm biased in saying this, it, it probably makes sense to let someone a buyer's agent do it for you mm. because it's going to be, you know, hard to to spend the hours that we do day in, day out, evening, evenings, weekends, um, nurturing those relationships. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It definitely does. And I know that um, we see off markets transact with, with, with members of the public all the time that haven't worked through a buyer's agent. We've often it's properties we've rejected just to, <laughs> to be brutally honest. Right. <laughs> no, no offense they've normally come through us first but um but absolutely just yeah it, and if you don't want to to use a buyer's agent for whatever reason that then a hundred percent just be persistent be kind don't nag and just be really really clear about why you are a, an easy buyer for them to work with yeah. why you're going to make this quick and painless to them and their vendor yeah, that's awesome. I think that's great advice um, and some great tips for, in building that relationship. And I think it's clear that you've explained the advantages of doing that. So um, that was your first podcast. <laughs> Will, it was. Do you, do? do you agree to come back? I do. You've been very nice to me. Yes, I, I've got I've got my nerves over with now. So yes, I I, I hope it was um it was useful. But absolutely no. I'd love to talk to you again. Hopefully we can um get that margarita that we've planned soon as well with Matty Sharp. Matty Sharp, yeah, champion. <laughs> Maybe a month like. away. Well, thank you very much for joining me, uh, Chesco. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Mike. Enjoy the rest of the day. Cheers. Take care. Bye.